Welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I am your host, Brian Montes, founder of Scalosity Works and of the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching community. Now, in the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching community, I have the opportunity to guide founders and entrepreneurs and business owners on hiring employee number one and beyond to help give them the leadership skills necessary to create an employee experience that's going to deliver a competitive edge for your business and to help you build a seven to eight figure business that is no longer a job, but a business that provides the financial freedom that you always wanted out of your business. Now, I know your time is valuable, and I do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Every time you tune in to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast, you can expect to learn actionable insights to help you build a business that is worthy of a Best Places to Work award, and how to reduce business risk with proactive HR strategies that do have real-world applications. So as you go through the Entrepreneur to Employer journey, I will work to sharpen your skills on how to recruit, hire, and onboard the best people for your company, how to design training systems that work, how to establish proactive HR systems that will actually lower your business risk, how to improve employee performance, how to lead your team through both good times and bad, how to tie your people operations into your financial milestones, and much, much more. So if you're ready to build a team of 10Xers that can power your business to new heights, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. Today, we are going to talk about risk because as of this recording, which is being done on April 9th, 2023, risk is on the forefront of everybody's mind again. Things are going well, the economy's growing, and there's not a lot of political turmoil, and the stock market's going up. People don't think about risk as much. We get complacent. We get comfortable. You know, it's been a long time since we've had a risk-off mentality, right? The last time we had a risk-off mentality goes back to 2008 when we had the stock market crash, we had the Great Recession, we had the liquidity crisis. That is the last time that risk and the thought of risk was on the forefront of everybody's mind. The thought of risk hit us again when the global pandemic hit. Who saw that black swan event coming, right? We haven't had a pandemic since, I believe, the Spanish flu. So again, we got comfortable in a business and life perspective that things were just going to continue going up. Things were just going to continue going in the right direction. Then the pandemic hits, and that is what we call a black swan event, something that we really didn't see coming and we definitely didn't plan for. And then most recently, we have the bank debacle of 2023, right? We have Silicon Valley Bank that collapsed four weeks ago. We have Signature Bank in New York that was seized. There's been some other banks that have required financial capital injections in order to stay open and and continue to cover their depositor requirements. So risk is, again, in the forefront of everybody's mind, especially when we have failures in our banking system. Because let's face it, everybody, whether it's in your personal life or your business, you have your money in a bank. I would say probably 90% of the population. I don't have the facts for sure because I do know there are people out there that don't utilize banks. But I think a majority of the population does rely on and utilize the banking system. So when there is a bank failure, small businesses struggle, right? They can't make payroll now. If a bank fails on a Friday and their payroll is due the next week and their funds, their deposits aren't available, that is a massive blow to their business. And oftentimes they won't be able to cover that. So risk is definitely in the forefront of everybody's mind. Now, the reality is this. Risk is around us every single day. We spend our entire life 
analyzing and managing risk. And if we don't analyze and manage risk, chances are our life and our business doesn't go the way we planned or we have more problems than not because we are not evaluating situations before they occur and looking at how to mitigate risk, what chances do we take in life, what chances do we pass on, what what investments do we make in our business, what businesses do we start, right? So the ability to look at risk and analyze it is a skill that really needs to be taught early on in life. And if you are a business owner, you absolutely need to be able to analyze risk and make good decisions to come up with a risk-to-reward matrix. Today, we are going to talk about risk, and I want to walk you through how to analyze risk in business and life and the four questions that you can ask in order to come up with a risk-to-reward scenario and a plan to implement how you're going to manage risk if you decide to take a certain path. Right, so the question becomes, how should we think about risk in our business? Well, the first thing you have to realize is that you are never going to have 100% of the information required to make a decision. That is not a realistic expectation that you can have. If that were the case, then decision-making would be easy, right? We wouldn't have you know, paralysis when it comes to decision-making because we would have all the facts in front of us. We'd have 100% certainty of everything, and we would make a decision based on that 100% certainty. Well, unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. Accept the fact that you will never have 100% of the information you need to make a decision. If you can get to 75% of the facts and the information, you're doing great. So we do seek to get at least halfway there in our analysis, but getting to the finish line of making a decision is going to require life experience and some intuition. So thinking about how you're going to analyze risk in your business We have a four-question framework for you to follow. So what I recommend is you can utilize this four-question framework on a quarterly basis. As you sit down to do your quarterly planning and analyze the next quarter, you will want to carve out 90 minutes of time in order to do a risk assessment of the business. So the first question is, what is the probability that this particular issue or situation is actually going to happen. Now, keep in mind, I'm going through the four questions that you need to ask, and then we are going to talk about how you implement solutions around risk and manage that risk. So we're going to talk about the four questions. So when you sit down to analyze risk and you have identified the issue at hand, the first question you want to ask is, what's the probability this will actually happen? And the decision tree from there is two paths. It's either There's a high probability or almost a 100% guarantee that this issue is going to happen. The other path is it's a one in a million chance. So what are a couple of examples of this? Well, under the guaranteed phase, so say you have have accounts, you know, you sell product to customers and you give them net 30-day terms. If you, as the business owner, do not run credit checks on that potential new customer, Look at their Dun and Bradstreet. Do your due diligence on the credit worthiness of your new customer. And if you potentially don't get account receivable credit insurance, right? If you don't take and do all of that due diligence, you just say, yep, no problem. Happy to have a new customer. We're going to sign you up today. We're going to start shipping your product tomorrow. And you get net 30-day terms. If you just jump into that and not do your due diligence about the credit worthiness of that new customer, there is a high probability they will default because you you haven't done your analysis to see if they are a financially stable company. Can they pay their bills? They might be, but your risk is 
tremendously higher that you will not get paid for the products you sell them because you don't know with a high degree of certainty that they are credit worthy, that they are financially stable, that they have cash flow to pay their bills. So that goes into the high guaranteed category. So what is the one in a million chance? Well, a great example of a one in a million chance is lightning strikes. Lightning strikes do happen. It's a one in a million chance that I will go outside right now and get struck by lightning. It is such a high probability that I am not fearful when I walk outside that I'm going to get struck by lightning. When you look at that question, what's the probability that this could actually happen? The two paths you go are either it's highly, highly probable, almost guaranteed, or it's a one in a million chance. The chances of this happening are very slim. So you answer that question first. Then you go to question number two. How significant is the impact if it does happen? Well, let's go back to our example of selling a product to a new customer. Now, if we haven't done our due diligence about their credit worthiness and we start sending them product, the question becomes how significant is the impact if they don't pay me? Well, if I'm a small business, there's two paths or two answers to this question. The significance is either going to be the damage is minor, it's minuscule, it's a slight scrape. It's a slight speed bump, not really going to slow us down, or it's a massive catastrophe. It's going to put the brakes on everything. It could shut us down. It could cause me to lay off employees. It is catastrophic in nature, very much the way the pandemic was catastrophic in nature. It shut down businesses. It stopped the world from spinning as we know it. Same thing with the bank failure, such as Silicon Valley Bank. That is catastrophic. Businesses now are were in a position where they were worried they wouldn't make payroll, right? They couldn't access their deposits. That is catastrophic. So you need to answer that question. If this happens, is the damage going to be minor or is it going to be catastrophic? If it's minor, then that goes way down on the risk matrix, right? It brings that risk number down on a scale of one to five down to a one. Yes, it could happen, but even if it does, very, very minor. So how do we tie this back to the example of selling product to a new customer? If we've done our due diligence on their credit worthiness, then we're in great shape because their credit worthiness has come back, their DNB record is strong, they have a good credit history, and we're going to get accounts receivable insurance on top of it. So if they do default, the damage is going to be minor because one, we've protected ourselves with insurance, and two, they have a great history. So the chances of defaulting are very, very low versus got a new customer, don't do any due diligence, I start shipping product, they default. That could be a catastrophic failure to the business. You get out there with $30,000, dollars $50,000 in receivables and you get to net 30 and you don't get paid, now you're at net 40, now you're at net 50, you become their bank, you're cash flowing them. And that loss could be catastrophic if you're out 40, 50, 60, even $10,000, right? Small businesses live on cash flow. And if you are not cash flowing the business and receiving money back into that business, you can't build new product, you cannot pay your employees, you will fall short on payroll. So see, this is why risk is so important and analyzing risk is so important because as you hire employee number one and start to build your team, you have an obligation to make sure that you meet payroll every two weeks. You have to make sure that payroll is met. You can't go to your employees and say, sorry, Customers didn't pay us, I can't pay you. Well, I guess you could say that, but pretty sure you know what was going to happen after that conversation. So you have to make good risk 
metric and risk to reward decisions in your business. You have to do it if you're a solopreneur and you definitely have to do it once you start hiring a team because you have to make sure you hit payroll. And if you're not cash flowing your business, you might have some challenges when payroll day comes. Next question, how effectively can I measure the risk? So this is question number three, how effectively can I measure the risk? Being able to measure the risk is part of the analysis you need to go through to decide if you can mitigate that risk. We're going to go back to our original example. So how effectively can I manage the risk? So I have a new customer coming on. They want to buy $50,000 worth of product. So how do I measure the risk? Again, I measure the risk by doing my due diligence on them. I pull a credit report. I do a DNB report. I ask for trade references. I potentially look to get create credit insurance on them, right? That's how I measure the risk. If I don't get a credit report, if I don't get a DNB, if I don't ask for trade references, I'm not measuring the risk. I'm not asking for fact-based data to help me decide if they are worthy of terms or not, right? Because if they still want to buy from us and they're not worthy of terms because they're not credit worthy, then I need to put them on COD. That's the due diligence you have to do. Those are the facts you have to gather in order to measure the risk. You can't just jump in and say, great, give me a purchase order and I'll I'll sell you and you get net 30 days. You do that, you're not measuring the risk. It's like jumping off of a a cliff into a shallow pond, right? The chances you're going to break your ankles or your legs are high. So you need to measure the risk by doing your due diligence. The next question you need to ask, and this is question number four, is, is it worth the cost? Is it worth my time, my money, my team, my business reputation, whatever that cost is, is it worth the cost? It's important for you to be able to answer that question. So going back to our example, if I am about to take on a new customer and I've done my due diligence and gathered all of my data about their credit worthiness and their business history, and it turns out that they are struggling, they're not paying their other vendors, they are struggling with the business, et cetera, et cetera. The question now becomes, is it worth the cost? Is it worth the cost for me to give them net 30-day terms? In this case, the answer is no. It is not worth it for me to give them net 30-day terms because the chance that they are going to default and not pay on time is very, very high, which then has a domino effect in my business. I cannot make more product. I cannot pay my employees on time. I might have to put a pause on my health benefits for my employees. There is a domino effect from the decision that ultimately will impact your business, your team, and the brand of your company. So you have to be able to answer the question, is it worth the cost? Now, on the flip side of that, if the due diligence comes back and they're credit worthy and their DNB is strong and everything looks good, everything looks great, then you can look at that and say, okay, this is worth the cost. It is worth it for me to give them net 30-day terms because they have a history of paying their vendors. They have been around for X amount of years. They uh, have great trade references, and we're going to get some trade credit insurance. So because I have done all of that, this is worth the risk to me to give them net 30-day terms. So that is the framework and the four questions that you go through to analyze a potential decision, which every decision has risk. So let's go over those questions one more time. First question, is what's the probability that the incident or the situation will actually happen? Is it guaranteed to happen or is it a one in a million chance? Question number two, how significant is the impact if it does? Is the damage going to be minor? 
or is it going to be a catastrophic loss? The third question, how effectively can I measure that risk? And the fourth question is, is it worth the cost? Is the reward to risk there? And if the reward outweighs the risk, then you have the ability to make that decision to move forward. All right. So how do we implement this in our business? Well, what I like to do is a quarterly review of risk for the business. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't take these four questions and use them every day in your business, right? Whether you are analyzing to hire a new employee, whether you're analyzing to terminate somebody, whether you're analyzing to take on a new customer, or whether you are analyzing to potentially look at a new strategic partnership, or whether you are reviewing starting a new product line, these questions can apply to your business and to your life. So you can use them day in and day out. But from a business strategy planning perspective, you can also use it in a quarterly format. When you sit down to analyze your new quarter coming up and put together your strategic plan for the next 90 days. In a quarterly rollout, all you need to do is allocate 90 minutes. This is not a day-long exercise. Allocate 90 minutes. First 30 minutes, you sit down with your team or your business coach or whomever, and you outline all the risks that you see the business facing and just bullet point them out. I see this, I see this, I see this, I see this. Some of those risks you're going to be able to control. Some of the risks you will not be able to control. So make sure you identify all the risks that you can manage or control. The ones that you cannot control are going to be out of your ability, right? A global pandemic is out of our ability to control. Can we do some things to prepare for it? Absolutely. But a global pandemic ultimately is out of our control. Okay, so for 30 minutes, you outline all the risks that your business are facing. The next 30 minutes, you're going to spend bucketing them by probability and impact. Okay, so you're going to rank them basically. So bucket them by probability and impact and prioritize the most important ones to focus on. Because chances are, when you get done with the first 30 minutes, you may have 30 or 40 risks, right? Life is full of risks. We cannot be afraid of it. We have to manage it. But when we identify those risks and we get them on paper, then we have that visual acuity to say, okay, these are the ones that are the most important. These are the ones that are high probability to happen. If they do happen, we're going to get shut down. I'm going to lose customers. I'm going to have to lay off employees. I won't be able to make payroll. So those are the ones that are going to be on the top of your list. And those are the ones that you're going to focus on. Last 30 minutes, you are going to identify specific measures and processes to mitigate that risk and assign someone to spearhead it and lead it. So once you've identified the major risks for the next quarter, say you have five of them and say one of those risks is that you have 30% of your customers are well past net 90 days. Let's say you only offer net 15, but you've got 30% of your customers well past 90 days. If this trend continues, the risk to your business is substantial because you are not cash flowing your business, which means ultimately any cash you have on hand, you're going to burn through faster. Then you're going to struggle to make payroll. You're going to struggle to pay your other bills, right? So if you have identified that you've got a high percentage of customers that are on that aging report well past any terms that they are allowed, that is a high risk area for the next quarter right? Because it's a high probability that they're not going to pay. If they haven't paid yet, there's a high probability they're not going to pay. 
coupled with the fact that the impact is going to be catastrophic. That amount of cash that you are not collecting very well could be catastrophic to your business. So that becomes a high priority risk item for that quarter that you need to focus on. And either you need to assign it to yourself or you need to assign it to your accounts receivable, your bookkeeper or a team member, right? Somebody needs to be willing to take on the task of cleaning up the accounts receivable for the next quarter and putting a process in place so that you don't have this again, where customers are extending you out 60, 90, 120 days. Again, to go through that quarterly exercise, it's a 30, 30, and 30. 30 minutes outlining the risks, 30 minutes bucketing them by probability and impact, and then prioritizing the most important ones to focus on for the quarter. And the last 30 minutes is you identify strategic measures to mitigate that risk and assign someone to own the process of getting that risk into a manageable risk-to-reward scenario. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope I've given you some framework that you can now start looking at risk from a different mindset, have a process in which to do it, and develop a risk-to-reward scenario for everything you do, both in your personal and in your business life. And as a bonus, I've created a free download to go with this episode. It's a worksheet. I probably should have said this in the beginning, but we have a free download worksheet that you can get. Link will be in the show notes. Go through that worksheet and you'll be able to answer the questions in that worksheet and have a notes section in which you can start to work on the reward to risk scenarios and start to outline some things for yourself. So hope you've enjoyed this episode. Look forward to having you listen to the next Entrepreneur to Employer podcast next week. We'll see you then.